Hello, and welcome to We Are The University, a podcast about the people who make Cambridge University unique. I'm your host, Nick Suffell. In this episode, Karis and I speak to Cambridge alum, Pat Marsh. When we recorded the interview, we didn't have any of the studio equipment with us, just a phone, but we thought it'd be a crime not to share Pat's incredible story. Pat was the first woman in the UK to hold a gaming license, and in 1979, she brought Space Invaders, the arcade game sensation, to the UK shores. Pat has had a distinguished business career, most recently serving as executive chairman of Philip Tracy. Philip Tracy's hats have adorned the heads of royals and celebrities alike, including Grace Jones, Lady Gaga, Madonna, Sarah Jessica Parker, Beyonce, and Victoria Beckham. So, and then Birmingham, you did, you did your teacher training, and then what? What happened next? What was right. the next part? How did you end up in business? <laughs> right. Um, my my ex-husband, Tony Marsh, yeah. he had a business um, servicing machines okay. in uh, gaming machines and jukeboxes. Oh, the, oh right, gotcha. Uh, whatever. Okay. Um, so for casino in casinos, that sort of thing, or was it like um, the fruit machines and pubs or uh, all? All of them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in fact, let me tell you. I applied to the gaming board and became the first woman ever to hold a gaming machine license in my own name. Wow. I had to I had to go down to the gaming board yeah. for Great Britain okay. and argue that I wasn't having it for any other reason but that I could perfectly well run a company run it. and yeah. it was a genuine wow. whatever. Yeah. So so I still hold a okay. a game wow. a gaming license. Yeah. Which is a bit funny for a fellow of Maudlin. Yeah. <laughs> um so yeah, so if you like, that was my first venture into gotcha. whatever. Yeah. And at that time there came a machine called Space Invaders. Of course, yeah, I remember it. Yeah. Which well, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which in yeah. oh god, what year? Was this in seventies? Late seventies. Seventy nine. Yeah. Um I went with my husband to Japan. Yeah. Um to buy a few machines. Yeah. Yeah. So we formed a joint Japanese company <laughs> okay. to import oh. in the very first base invaders. Wow. And it's amazing. Put a really clever ad, which I will never better yeah. in the trade paper. Space Invaders, prices out of this, this world. world. Oh, Brilliant. Yeah. And imported in. I knew nothing about import. I did all the import, okay. all the whatever. So you're just learning as you were Absolutely. On the, on the go. And sold three million pounds worth in three months. Wow. Whoa. Unbelievable. So what was the sort of price per um we bought them for yeah. two hundred pounds. Yeah. yeah. We had no idea of the pricing. Yeah. What do you think it'll stand? Eight nine five, because these were supposed to be yeah. second-hand ones. Yeah. Okay. Um, and they turned out when they arrived to be brand new. And what wow. had happened in Japan? They'd moved to color monitors. Okay. These companies had thousands of new black and white. Wow. So they put a plastic screen over the top with colours which gave an impression of wow. whatever. So we were having brand new machines wow. for two hundred pounds selling for eight nine five. Gotcha. So nice return on investment yeah. there. Yeah. Absolutely. And 
we used to, the only modification we had to do was the coin mix had had slots for yen, which oh, yeah. were very tiny, yeah. and we had to file it out for slots for 10 peas, gotcha. wow. which were bigger at that time. <laughs> so amazing. I cannot tell you what it was like. It was an unbelievable yeah. thing. So we set up Nichibutsu UK, initially imported the complete machines, and we even air freighted them to Birmingham Airport. Unbelievable. Wow. They were in such demand. Yeah. The cost of the air freight was wow. you know, enough to cover. I so mean, you're shipping it by we air? We were shipping by... <laughs> I, in my mind now, Gosh. I can... Thames Maru, all the names of the boats coming yeah. in with the containers, wow. they're still etched on my heart yeah. while I was waiting for them to come to Felixstowe. Yeah. And so we worked out that we could import in some yeah. and keep because it was. So did you hold a lot? Or did you? No. We, as soon as they hit the floor, Just, we filed the thing yeah. and out they went. <laughs> okay, yeah. So it was it was quite incredible. Yeah. And during that time, I had two Japanese guys who lived with us. Wow. One was like the import export yeah. guy, yeah. and one was the technical guy. Okay. And so my kids. Learn to speak Japanese right. because yeah, yeah, you know. Was at home, at, yeah, yeah. So yeah, so they, so at that time it was very intense, and then we imported in only the electronic insides. At the parts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And had the machines manufactured at a company, a game machine company in yes. South Wales, called Ace Coin Equipment. ACE. They were one of the oldest amusement and gaming machine companies um, and we came in with these electronic machines, if you like revolutionised machines because yeah. at that time they were all mechanical, mechanical, pull handle, but we wanted a new printed circuit board for the amusement and gaming machines. Yeah. And this is a story which is unbelievable. So we hadn't at that time bought Ace. We were working with Ace. Okay. But there was a guy there called Keith Arnold. He was okay. a very clever guy. And we said, we need a new printed circuit board. And he said, I know two guys in, in Cambridge who could do that for okay. you and he got in touch with them and it was a lot of money 20,000 pounds but at that time we were making so much money with these yeah. video games yeah. we agreed and these two guys did the print circuit board for us and with the 20,000 pounds they set up Acorn computers, right. <laughs> which were made oh in the in race next door yeah. with Keith right. Arnold, okay. and the two guys were Herman Hauser yeah. and so Chris Curry. Okay. Yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Okay. Small <laughs> world, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? I mean, yeah. it's unbelievable, so isn't it? Yeah. And if you look in the fifty years oh. of you know, the electronics arriving at thing, talks about this gaming machine company that paid this £20,000. Wow. Yeah. So it was quite something. So we eventually took over the gaming machine company, okay. Ace Coin Equipment, yeah. and grew it into the most successful machine company in, in Britain. In Britain.
It wasn't always executive boards and business. Pat grew up in Tipton, a working class town in the Midlands. Pat was the only girl from her school to go to grammar school and the only girl to go on to university. And so I grew up in a really hard environment. Yeah. Um, my sister, who I speak to every morning at six o'clock, she's every, every six morning. Yeah. Yeah. Where did that we, start? We, forever. We've okay. always had a chat. We're both up and about, right. dressed and everything by six o'clock. I don't know why we okay. do it, but early mornings I'm good, late nights I'm terrible. I'm the same. And um, she reminded me the other day um, that in our house, we slept with um, our coats on the bed. Right. Because we had a flat roof. Okay. And every winter, somebody would put a new tarpaulin on it. But it always leaked. And so okay. we always had buckets and coats okay. on the wow. bed. Yeah. And we didn't know that we were any different from everybody else yeah. because everyone was. Yeah. And all my family lived around and so we were always in and out of each other's houses. Yeah. But I was the only girl who ever went to grammar school. Okay. And then I was the only girl who went to university. Right. From my school. The girls didn't at that time. They went to teach training teach college, training, yeah. secretarial yes. college. Yeah. But nobody went to Some university. Sort of vocational. Yeah. 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 So I went to Hull University. Was, was there anyone who sort of inspired you to go to university at that point then? Because yeah. it obviously didn't come from your family. The Wild come... and the Willing. Right. Have you okay. ever seen a film? Two films actually, The Wild and the Willing and Student Prince. Okay. And we used to go on a Saturday to the Alhambra. Right. And there was a children's thing and there was this programme, Wild and the Willing, and I think it was Ian McShane. Okay. And it showed university and I thought, oh my God, that's <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. So What that was, was it that appealed then? What did you think was fantastic? What was the It was a completely different culture. Okay. Um you know, I'd read the Mallory Tower books to go to boarding school. Okay. I was waiting for someone to come and say, you know, you're in the wrong household, we're going to adopt you and you're right. going to go to boarding school. Yeah. Yeah. And then I saw this stage beyond boarding school, which was university. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just wanted to go. Okay. And so I did. So what was the so if you were the, the only girl in your grammar school, what was the sort of process? What did the, your like peers and teach and teachers and things like that? Did they guide you along the process, or where did you? Was there it was very much yourself? No careers guidance gotcha. whatsoever. Yeah. You did your best subject at O level at yeah. A level, and your best subject at A level at university. So my best subject at A level was geography, okay. and I did geography and geology. At at Hull as my first degree. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't cope well at the beginning. I okay. was desperately homesick. Um, and I really enjoyed the work. I absolutely loved the work and I loved the field trips and so on. <laughs> um, and I remember all of my lecturers and it was a magical time, you know, the 1960s and um, Beatles, Rolling yeah, Stones, <laughs> yeah. you know, 
I went to Old Hill Plaza and, and George Harrison held my hand. Oh, right. So, <laughs> okay, there you go. You know, what more can you ask yeah, in life? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Was it strange when you went back home and that contrast between sort of university life and then... Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, my, my parents, we never had a book in the house. Okay. Never had a book, um, and they never came to school because it was too much to come to parent-teacher things. Mm. But they did come for my graduation ceremony. Okay. But it was like chalk and cheese, yeah. you know, yeah. they were not comfortable in that oh. academic environment. Yeah. My, so is, was it a sort of emotional thing or a cultural it was more a cultural yeah. thing. My, my dad um, uh, joined up underage and joined the Grenadier Guards right. and fought with the desert rats in North oh, Africa. Yeah. Um, he was uh, all the way along the North Africa campaign, wounded at El Alamein and Maris, okay. and again at the Salerno landings in Italy, and then at Monte Camino, not Casino, it was the one next to him. Yeah. So his seven years, he was 15 when he joined, wow. and he he fought all the way through yeah, so he's North the whole Africa. time. Yeah. Okay. And all of my uncles were all guardsmen, right. so we had no money, but very proud, yeah, polished yeah. shoes, yeah. my, you know, it was just yeah. astonishing. Pat's career was going from strength to strength, but when her personal life fell apart, she knew that she needed some time to take a step back and think about what was important to her. At Cambridge, she pursued her lifelong love, archaeology, and discovered a newfound love for rowing. Returning to Cambridge wasn't the end of her business career. It opened up new avenues, and soon she was helping horticulture milliner Philip Tracy grow into a global brand. Really flying high, but then it all imploded with a breakdown in my marriage. And so that was when I did a complete about turn. Yeah. Came to Cambridge to do an MPhil, which is real interest in archaeology and started rowing and my life just took off in a completely <laughs> different direction. So while I was at Magdalen, I organised a divorce and while I was there a young lad who I'd helped, Philip Tracy, <laughs> I'd bought a hat from him. Right. Um, when he was a student, when yeah. when I started sitting on these boards, I was and I am very insecure socially. I don't know what to wear. Okay. I don't know what to you know. I don't. I haven't been brought up in that world, so I'd had to do a speech at the Hague on behalf of Bacta, and oh no, the first thing was that's right. I became chairman of Bacta. And I had to walk down those big steps at Grosvenor House in an evening dress. Yeah. So I went through all the magazines and looked at which ones I liked. Okay. Yeah. And there was this man, Victor Edelstein, yeah. who was making dresses at that time for Princess Diana. Oh. 
and I rang her and said, can I, um, I want to come and buy a dress. And this young guy said, we don't do that, madam. You have to come to the collection and then you have a card and you choose the number and we make the dress. Oh, right, I'll put the phone down. Then I phoned back and I said, can I speak to Mr Edelstein? He said, oh, I don't know about that. I said, look, it's very important. I need just one thing. And he, Victor Edelstein came on and I said, look, I've got the money and you've got the frock. Yeah. <laughs> How do we sort this? And yeah. I said, come down. Okay. And I had the best dress <gasps> I've ever had. It was dark ruby velvet to the floor with a slight thing and the top which had like a sleeve and then was gold and bronze embroidery by Lafarge in Paris. Wow. It was exquisite. I've never had anything so beautiful. So I had to do a speech in The Hague and I said I need to wear a suit and he said well if you're doing a big speech you need something light so I went and had this cream suit and then he somebody gave me an invite to Ascot and I rang Victor and said is that suit okay to wear to Ascot and he said oh yeah perfect where will I get a hat there's a young boy at the Royal College of Art okay. Philip Tracy and <laughs> do you um, if you go and see him I said, I'm wearing a cream suit to Ascot, which hat? And he picked one off the shelf and put it on. And I said, OK, I'll have it. He said, no, he said, everybody tries them all on. I said, I'll have it. You're the professional. Yeah. I'll have it. My God, he said. <laughs> so, um, so I went back and to pay him and have a bottle of wine. and. Um, very quickly realised he was going to get into trouble because he'd got no business experience. And so I, I would go in once a month and chase his money, make sure his invoices were out, do any deals, and generally act like a non-exec mentor non type yeah. thing. Gotcha. So when I was at Maudlin ten years later, he approached me and said he'd got a business partner, a mass production guy in Luton, and they were in disagreement. Would I become formally involved? So yeah. I had Pricewaterhouse do a quick and dirty analysis. Okay. If you put this much investment in and four days a month, you'll get a small you know, yeah. profit. I put 10 times more investment, worked full time <laughs> for 12 years, right. and took the company to a better level. Yeah. yeah. So, mm, yeah. so that was about six years ago. It was time for me to exit. Philip and I, a business strategy that had gone totally apart. Okay. Philip loves and is brilliant at making couture hats for celebrities, gotcha. royal, whatever. But you can't sustain a business without diffusion lines. Yeah, he never wanted to do that. Yeah. And yeah, it caused yeah. a hell of a lot of friction and personal stuff. Yeah. So in the end, I'd always run the company via a board. I got the board to make the company buy me out. And I did a short course at the judge and mm -hmm. it said, where do you want to be in five years time? And I thought I don't want to be in 
Cambridge. I want to be, no, I don't want to be in London. I'm too near my employees and my girls have left. Yeah. I like Cambridge, I'll come to Cambridge. Yeah. Okay. And it said, which three things do you want to do more of? And I wrote down my college, went yeah. and saw Duncan Robinson, the yeah. master, and said, I'm coming back. And they gave me a little role as alumni secretary and made me a fellow. Archaeology, they put me on various boards right. and sport. And I went to the sports department and said, um, is there anything I can do? And they said, we've been trying to do a review of sport for five years. So I did that. So come upstairs and yeah. see the hats so yeah. I can show you the... <laughs> That's it from us at We Are The University podcast. If you like what you're hearing, don't forget to head on over to the iTunes store or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from and give us a five-star rating. I'm Nick Safel and see you next week. <laughs>